This is District Sentinel Radio. It's the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. And I'm Sam Knight, coming to you live from a rock quarry. <laughs> it's all that dang banging I hear going on. Yeah, there is uh, some construction going on over here, which I think you've uh, just been able to hear. And uh, hopefully it won't be too constant throughout this recording. We're going to have to deal with this the entire show. This banging. We're broadcasting out of Washington, D.C., Sam Knight out of Rock Quarry. This is the show we do for you, our subscribers. Thanks for listening. We got the garbage can coming up at the end of the show. Uh, do we have any FOIA follies? Just a very minor update. I a very am, minor uh, update. Yeah, there there wasn't much inspiration this week. And uh, yeah, deal with it. <laughs> A lot of stuff doesn't happen, I will say this. A lot of stuff slows to a trickle right before an election. And it seems like federal agencies just don't really crank it out as much as, as they do in in uh, you know in, uh, during other parts of the year. Yeah, that's true. It's also hard to uh, be motivated to work when you've got all that banging going on all around <laughs> you all the time. <laughs> Uh, all right we'll get out to all that stuff uh in a little bit i'm seeing whoa i'm seeing on twitter right now donald trump is dead wow is this true uh well you read it on twitter so i would say so elon musk the uh ultimate science guy uh upholder of truth and righteousness owns the website so I just would have to imagine that if you read it on Twitter, yeah, he's dead. Donald Trump, 1947 to 2022, RIP. <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing it reposted by the Sentinel account here, and we uh, obviously report only truth, truth report. But he, uh, he, he, was, he was found at a toilet in a McDonald's. <laughs> Uh, the only way you could have possibly gone out. Yeah. You know, it, uh, if you had asked me 30 years ago when I was seven years old, if you'd asked me, will there ever be a president who will be found dead at a toilet in McDonald's? I would have said Bill Clinton. <laughs> There's still time. <laughs> well, he'll be the second after uh, Trump, so he won't have that historic headline going for him. Well, uh, I'm curious how this will affect the Republicans' midterm chances coming up <laughs> next week. Uh, Sam Knight and I are doing live election night coverage with Eugene Purrier. Tuesday. Yeah, that's right. And that's that's one of the reasons why there are no FOIA follies uh, this week, because I've been I've been prepping. I've been prepping for it. That's good, because typically SK stands for Steve Kornacki. 
But on the live election stream brought to you by Means Morning News and Breakthrough News, it stands for Sam Knight, baby. SKB. You know, I think I could beat Steve Kornacki at uh, in one-on-one in basketball and in horse. What about in analyzing politics and uh, uh, voting? Doesn't Vote matter. Counts. I don't care. I can run faster <laughs> than him. You, you think you could beat him in basketball? Yeah. Actually, I take that back. I don't think I can run faster than him. But I do think I could beat him in basketball. I think I would dominate him on the boards. I feel like guys like Steve Kornacki who live in New York and are, you know, pretty upper middle class, you know, or rich, I guess, in Steve Kornacki's case, he probably has a pretty nice contract. They love to play basketball. They love to go out and play basketball with their friends on the weekend. And that's more basketball than you've probably played in years. <laughs> but I do think you would approach it with this weird, unorthodox you know, harsh playing style that would disrupt him and you could. Yeah, I, I don't think he's ready for my physicality. Uh, no, you know, not at and, all. And the paint <laughs> and uh, my ability to take charges and uh, box out. He's just not ready. You got any midterm predictions? I predict both teams will have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm predicting the under. It's a relegation battle, and uh, don't expect a lot of goals to be scored. <laughs> I think that um, I don't know. There's something about this that I'm, I'm ready for Republicans to take back the House and the Senate. I think that's the most likely scenario. I still th- I think there's a chance that something wacky could happen. And maybe it'll be like a two-seat margin in the House or something, and Republicans will take it back, which would still give them a lot of power. They would control the agenda. They would have subpoena power. They would control the committees, et cetera. But it wouldn't be this like huge red wave that everyone has been, and by everyone I mean um, dipshits on the right, have been talking about. And I don't know. I just think polling has been off in recent years, although that usually skews to the right. Um, Maybe there there will be something wacky that happens. But I have to say that it seems like voters are concerned about the economy and specifically concerned about inflation. And uh, for some reason, despite decades of just being horrible on economic policy, voters tend to trust uh, Republicans on economic policy more, which is just a testament to how truly awful this country is and how broken our system is. And um, Democrats have just been running away from the issue. It seems like Fetterman is really the only one, the only of the major candidates who's willing to talk about inflation and about, you know, bread and butter issues. And the others are just like, oh, Putin's price hike. Oh, you know, oh, isn't Biden doing such a great job? And I don't know. Democrats deserve to lose. But then again, both sides deserve to lose. (laughs) Yeah. Hence Uh, the relegation battle. I I don't put too much 
faith in polls because I'm not sure how reliable they are anymore. But I do think there is something to poll movement where if you're seeing like trends in the polls and there does seem to be a lot of movement to the right in these last few weeks of polling heading into the into the election. And these are already a lot of close races. And I think there's six toss up Senate races. And if they're split, then Republicans retake the Senate, you know, if it goes three and three. Uh, the the math was already against Democrats to begin with, and then Republicans went ahead and nominated a bunch of kooks, and a lot of those kooks might win. Like that's you know it would seem inconceivable, like Doctor Oz winning or something. You know those polls have moved a lot, and it's a, a competitive race when it wasn't a competitive race before. Yeah, that's true. I I do I have seen polls recently that showed Fetterman back in the lead, but not by like the twenty points or whatever he was right. he was ahead earlier in the year. I think that New Hampshire is going to be a, a nail biter for Democrats. It looks like um, yeah. somehow Washington State is in play. Uh, Cortez Masto is on the ropes in in Nevada. Yeah. And uh, it also looks likely that Republicans will take the House and they'll probably wipe out a lot of these conservative Democrats like Abigail Spanberger in the process. Fine. Bye. Um, Bye. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, it doesn't... I mean, you remember what 2010 was like because you were working on the Hill uh, before the Tea Party midterm. I that was off one by 2010. Oh, you were off by 2010. Okay, never mind. I but saw you, the writing on the wall. Right, exactly. You saw the, the writing guy on I the wall. I worked for lost. Yeah, yeah. Um, it felt like that, and maybe this is just me being out of touch. But that one, it felt like way more like you could see it coming. Yeah. Th- than this one. This one, there it seems like Republicans are probably gonna do do pretty well. But there's still a little doubt, and I think some of that is doubt comes down to uh, Dobbs and the overturning of Roe v. Wade. But that does motivate a lot of psychos too. So, yeah, I think a lot of it also comes down, and you had a lot of kooks in that election too, in 2010, right? Was that the one with like Sharon Angle and? Oh yeah, Sharon Angle, uh, Christine O'Donnell, was it in yeah. Delaware? Um, yeah, and there were more, yeah. right? Yeah, Ron they, Johnson. There he were won. also 2012 too. There were a bunch of them as well. But I, I now you have like 200 overt Nazis running on like Republican <laughs> tickets who uh, do not believe in elections. Um, and when you say something wacky might happen, I agree with you, but I see that more in terms of like weird games being played at precinct levels where you've already seen in Arizona those like armed poll watchers. Um, all it takes is police to allow this stuff to happen to drastically affect vote totals in areas if if there is a suppression camp campaign that is undertaken or some other kind of voter manipulation or vote manipulation campaign that I wouldn't put it past any of these 
the Republican operatives to undertake. The the climate is like perfect. They've created this climate that's perfect for them to engage in these sort of uh, any, any sort of undermining of the electoral process. So uh, I could definitely see that happening. And but you're right. 2010 seemed like, oh, yeah, there's going to be a huge wave. Today, it seems like, yeah, Republicans should win, but there are a lot of wackos on there that are a bit, and when I say wackos, I mean, you know, fascists, like straight up uh, Christo-nationalist reactionaries and who are running on all sorts of um, uh, ways that they're going to subvert democracy in the future in, in terms of if, if Republicans take control of the House and the Senate, it doesn't matter what happens in the 2024 election. You know, they can just name Donald Trump president. Uh, anyone who thinks that that Donald Trump, that the, 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 the institutions held up or something to keep Donald Trump from staying in power all it, the only difference was a couple more Republicans in the House and the Senate, or else that shit would have been overturned. And if you have that situation where Republicans take control of both chambers, Trump's the next president. Like I don't see any other way out of it unless you well, we Trump is dead, but you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's fucked, but I guess I would say that um, the silver lining is is that the system was uh, irrevocably broken anyway. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not it, saying this with some like, oh no, my god, I, our democracy is at stake. Everyone no, I get knows it. That like, yeah, yeah, that we are very, very critical of our democracy and the fact that we've gotten to this point. And let's not forget that billionaires are spending more money. Uh, in these these midterms than they've ever spent before, they're going to spend over a billion dollars. Like, like four hundred families are going to spend over a billion dollars on the midterm election. So, and that's been the case since two thousand ten that they've been able to get away with this. Um, in addition to voter suppression campaigns that have been more subtle that have long existed. So our democracy has been a piece of shit for a while, but now we're heading into territory of like uh overt authoritarianism <laughs> right right I, I yeah i'm not saying that uh you know i'm try, i'm trying to i guess put a good spin on a, a you know see the see the silver lining here um and think the accelerationist spin on it <laughs> right right just trying to tr- trying to view the uh positives and uh in the wake of the 2010 election there was somehow momentum gathered behind uh, the Occupy Wall Street protests. I think that the good news is that if Republicans have a big night on Tuesday, as uh, as it looks likely, a lot of people will engage in uh, grassroots uh, organizing and activism. And, you know, we it's something we all need to be doing um, because the shit is going off the rails very clearly. <laughs> Sam Knight, the optimist over there, we appreciate it. I'm just, I'm just anticipating pain 
It's like Clubber Lang voice from Rocky Three. Pain. Pain. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been on a Rocky uh, binge this week? It's you been made... on TV a lot. Okay, because you made that Rocky reference on uh, Means Morning News as well. So Which one? Oh, no. Well, that was just because... I like to check out the AP planner each day and it gives you birthdays and like weird holidays. And it said Dolph Lundgren's birthday. I see him. Um, I haven't seen Rocky four in a while because I went on a binge of that a few, like a few months ago, but I hadn't seen Rocky three in a while and I hadn't seen Rocky five in a while. And even Rocky two, you don't catch very often. So I got a chance to watch those. Um, well, maybe I need to be uh, more optimistic as a father now, sort of imagining myself driving, a car on a family trip into uh, the depths of hell, sort of looking over my shoulder. Don't worry. Everything's yes. going to be okay. <laughs> no, that is required and it's necessary as well. And I try to, I try to hold on to it, but like it's more, we, when we were trying to think of names for our election special Tuesday, we ended up, there's not going to be a name by the way. It's <laughs> just like the election live election night coverage, whatever. Good. Uh, like one of the ideas was, you know, uh, malarkey versus mayhem. And in a way, that is like definitely the case. You have uh, on the right mayhem in the sense of people who are just trying to uh, uh, you have just a bunch of Nazis trying to overthrow the system. Um, and on the left, you just have like Joe Biden style malarkey of a bunch of people who uh are obviously more concerned about their, you know, upper middle class rich donors and protecting them than they are protecting the working class. At the when Biden first came in, there was all this talk and promise of things that were going to happen, and it all just sort of dissolved away into nothing, into a bunch of fucking malarkey as we head into this election. And mayhem will probably win. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe we should have actually gone with Malarkey v. Mayhem. That was, you know, maybe it's not punchy enough. I don't know. But anyway, watch the coverage on Means TV. It'll be good. Yeah, it'll be on YouTube, too. It'll be on all the a lot of streaming stuff. You'll hear more about it. Sick. So, on to the news. The uh, Federal Reserve raised interest rates another three-quarters of a percentage point this week. That makes for an increase of 3.75 percentage points over the last three fiscal quarters. But it hasn't yet made a dent in inflation, so expect the Fed to keep at this, even if they're increasing the likelihood of a severe recession in direct proportion to their interest rate hikes. Fed Chair Jerome Powell said as much on Wednesday, quote, what I'm trying to do is make sure our message is clear we have some ground to cover with interest rates before we get to that level that we think is sufficiently restrictive. Powell has said time and time again that sufficiently restrictive means a noticeable uptick in unemployment, and that might not happen until people drain their bank accounts and have to bury themselves in debt, which, by the way, is getting increasingly expensive to service thanks to Powell and his fellow Fed governors as Kansas City Fed President Esther George said this week, quote, we see today that there is a bit of savings buffer still sitting for households that may allow them to continue to spend in a way that keeps demand strong. That suggests we may have to keep at this for a while. <sighs> the arguments that were made to get rid of 
expanded unemployment insurance was like, oh, we need to make sure people have completely lost all the money that they have to ensure that they can go back to work. And it was like, holy shit, you guys are just saying that out loud. And now you have the technocrats in charge of managing the economy saying that shit out loud. Yeah. Well, I you know, the Fed has famously been all about saying that shit out loud for decades. So it's... Uh... In yeah, the it's so. woven into the institutional fabric there. I mean, central I, central bank independence means that you can be a, a technocratic overlord and expect them to uh, kiss your ass too. Some grim COVID vaccination numbers. These were published uh, in the Washington Post this week. Twenty percent of people living in households that make less than fifty thousand dollars a year or year still aren't vaccinated. Um, that's the uh, largest group among the income groups. The seems that the poorer you are, the less likely you are to be vaccinated. Uh, and the biggest reason offered by people who were surveyed as to why that is is that they haven't had time to, which uh, would suggests because they have to go to work <laughs> and it's hard to get time off work to go get vaccinated to take the day or two off you need to recover from the vaccine so they just don't get it also uh people said that they couldn't get transportation which would suggest uh, uh that they are extremely impoverished or disabled and they are just being left to fall through the cracks here um a good chunk of respondents across all income groups claimed that they haven't gotten vaccinated because they don't believe they need to. So just kind of anti-vaxxers. But the belief, anti-vax belief, was least popular in the poorest income groups compared to the wealthier ones where uh, people, more people said that they haven't been vaccinated because they don't need to. Yeah, when you're wealthy, you have more time to do your own research. Last year, FEMA spent eight and a half billion dollars on its vaccination efforts, you know, setting up pop up clinics, uh, getting material out, driving to pick people up to take them to vaccination centers, getting shots in as many arms as they possibly could. This year, only five hundred and fifty million dollars has been spent. Uh, so eight eight point five billion last year. And what is that? One sixteenth uh, of that this year. That's uh, with a Democratic Congress and a Democratic president. It would be very easy to just raise the money in Congress and then spend it through FEMA, through these programs. But they haven't gotten around to it. It's a failure. Roughly 400 people are still dying every day. New cases are now creeping up. About 40,000 new cases still every day. Probably keep going up as we uh, head into winter. Worse than the Trump administration. Like, honestly, somehow Biden did worse. I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I would be one of those people putting the I did that stickers on like COVID death numbers. <laughs> Peeling them yeah. off the gas pumps and trying to find like. I don't know. The problem is billboards that. that show. Yeah, no, no one. You know, we're we're trying to, um, you know, bury our collective heads in the sand. It's not like they're 
charts that show um, the latest yeah. COVID death toll. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. And they're not even reporting the numbers as regularly uh, as as they were. You know where it'd be a good place to put the I did it stickers? At airports next to flight delays. <laughs> put Pete, With Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, yes. yeah, it should be Pete Buttigieg yes. pointing. I did that. <laughs> So there was a uh, an interesting government accountability office report that came out this week about how uh, apparently the government of Guatemala has been accused of using jeeps that were provided to it by the Pentagon, and um, they were using these jeeps to uh, intimidate diplomats. Apparently, um. I don't recall reading this in the paper at the time. Uh, I'm not saying it, 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 no one reported on it. It's just one of those. I don't uh, either. Crazy stories, I guess, are, are not crazy, but just sort of wacky stories that, uh, you know, fell through the collective memory hole during the Trump administration. Um, here was an, uh, an excerpt of the report that I found particularly illuminating. If you're thinking, wow, a foreign government friendly to the United States thinks that it can get away with uh, something so brazen and bold. I wonder why that is. Then um, get a load of this. DOD and state officials told us they did not investigate any allegations of misuse of DOD-provided equipment in Honduras or El Salvador from 2017 through 2021. When we asked about third-party reports of allegations that could have involved U.S.-provided equipment, DOD and state officials said they did not investigate these allegations. For example, neither DOD nor state investigated a 2018 media article that reported that Honduran military police used U.S.-made rifles to injure and kill Civilians. The report referenced a Miami Herald article on Honduran teenagers getting gunned down in the street protesting election fraud in 2017, perpetrated by the drug dealing reactionaries who had led Honduras with U.S. support since the 2009 coup. No investigation whatsoever. <laughs> Like that, the the lack of curiosity there, it seems to be, you know, more scandalous than any sort of, oh, like the Guatemalan government was driving these Jeeps menacingly around areas where embassies were. Yeah, and this, this story is probably just a tiny little sliver, not probably, is just a tiny little sliver of the DOD equipment that is sent all around the world and is then used in all sorts of fucked up ways that they obviously aren't keeping tabs on or are and don't care. Well, I mean, yeah, in this case, they they, they didn't care about the yeah. Honduran government and the, the widely disseminated reports of their um, abuse. Yeah. Speaking of the uh, Honduran government, a couple of U.S. senators are calling for punishment against it. Now that Honduras. it's left wing. Yeah, now that it's a uh, left wing government, their new president, uh, Jairmaro Castro, uh, came to power in January, was elected. In it, 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 I, I, I 
left out some context. Now that it is both left wing and trying to do good things. <laughs> yes, correct. Um, uh, one of their uh, targets are these special economic zones. You hear about these all the time in sort of the global trade context where countries set up these zones where capitalists can set the rules. Like they can uh, have much more lax labor laws within these special economic zones compared to the rest of the country. They can have much more uh, relaxed environmental laws in these special economic zones. So it's just areas of more exploitation. And the new left-wing government says, no, we, uh, we're going to get rid of these. They're not working for us. And so now uh, a couple senators. Oh, fuck. Who are the senators? One of them. Was it Ben Cardin was one of them. Yeah, right? Ben Cardin was the Democrat. I don't remember God, the uh, the Republican, but, you know, one from each party uh, wrote a letter to the State Department saying, you know, Honduras should have all aid cut off to it because of this. They also the senators. uh cited a law that was passed in 1962 after the Cuban revolution that allowed uh, for uh, to cut off all aid to countries that nationalize U.S. Uh, assets without uh, compensation. So, uh, and when I say U.S. assets, I mean like uh, individual billionaires like casino or something or hotel or whatever or uh car manufacturing plant so yeah uh just sort of economic imperialism at work here by the uh by the u.s congress also in other news from the region the united nations overwhelmingly condemned the u.s embargo of cuba for the 30th time this vote has been had 30 times each time the world has a majority of the world has said this is fucked up. You should stop your economic warfare against Cuba. The U.S. has continued it. Uh, in this vote, the tally was 185 to two with the U.S. and the apartheid state of Israel as the only no votes. There was an abstention from Brazil. And it's uh, barely <laughs> lingering Bolsonaro government. Yeah, yeah, man. Fuck. Uh, love Israel. <laughs> love the United States. Love that story. What a great story. Ah, oh, just two are friends. We, are we the baddies? Two friends sticking together, U.S. and Israel. <laughs> just sticking together. Ah, uh, well, get ready to set back the clocks on Sunday. Uh, assuming that this comes out before Sunday, this might come out Sunday itself, in which case, uh, get ready to set back the clocks today, or maybe for some unforeseen reason, this will come out on Monday, in which case... uh, Why are you predicting that I'm going to get the show out late? Well, I haven't gotten it out late in a while. It's been out Saturday the last I'm just saying, no, you have, but I'm just saying that... uh, you know, you had internet trouble the other day, and we do live in a country that doesn't invest in infrastructure. Uh, so possibly for reasons beyond your control, uh, there could be some... Uh, Look, so- 
if the show is not out by Monday, something bad's happened. Check in on me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, the point is, is that as of recording this weekend, people are going to be setting back their clocks or they're going to have their clocks set back for them. If they only own clocks on devices connected to the internet, uh, devices that will also call the cops on you uh, for whatever reason. And anyway. for those who are obsessed with English football, that means the games on Saturday will return to 10 a.m. instead of 11 a.m. No, not this Saturday because the, the clocks are going yes. back Sunday. Sure, you're right. The next, the following Saturday. So the Sunday games will be back to 9 a.m. Yes. Instead of 10 a.m. <laughs> <Yes>. Excuse me. <laughs> yes. Okay. So anyway, you might be wondering what the hell. Uh, the, I, I In March, there was hope that maybe this shit would all be done with. And what you are thinking about in your mind is that the Senate uh, unanimously passed a bill that would stop seasonal clock changes. It was, uh, you know, it made headlines at the time, had people talking. Uh, it's not looking so good for the legislation right now. And it's looking like next year we will be springing forward and falling back yet again. <laughs> Despite the fact that, according to public polling, two-thirds of the country just does not want to do this. They want us to stick to a one time zone all year round so we don't have to do the switch forward, fall back, whatever, uh, etc. But Congress, obviously, not really great at reflecting the uh, public will, so it's all up in the air. This is from Reuters, quote, U.S. Representative Frank Pallone, who chairs the Energy and Commerce Committee that has jurisdiction over the issue, said in a statement, the House is still trying to figure out how to move forward. We haven't been able to find consensus in the House on this yet. There are a broad variety of opinions about whether to keep the status quo to move to a permanent time, and if so, what time that should be, Pallone, a Democrat, said, adding that opinions break down by region, not party. Legislative aides told Reuters they do not expect Congress to reach agreement before the end of the year. Supporters in the Senate would need to reintroduce the bill next year if it is not approved uh, by the end of the year. One issue that is causing the legislation to be uh, delayed in the House is that House members are not sure if they want to be permanently sprung forward or fallen back. Malone said he himself supports getting rid of clock switching, but, quote, has not decided whether to support daylight or standard time as the permanent choice. The article continues, supporters argue that if approved, the so-called Sunshine Protection Act would allow children to play outdoors later and reduce seasonal depression. It would also prevent a slight uptick in car crashes that typically occurs around time changes notably crashes with deer how does this how does this affect deer deer don't have to set their clocks back or forward why deer i don't get this do you get this i mean maybe because it's just darker it's hard to see the deer but isn't isn't um yeah but it's also dark in the morning like there's just a shorter window of, of, of daylight. Yeah, but I guess you figure more people are driving around at like 7 and 8 p.m. than they are at like 6 or 7 a.m. Yeah, I guess. 
Anyway, showing showing my ass here by not doing the research on this. <laughs> anyway, supporters also point to studies uh, suggesting a small increase in heart attacks and strokes soon after the time change and argue the measure could help businesses like golf courses draw more customers into the evening. Um, okay, I guess. Critics including the National Association of Convenience Stores, say it will force many children to walk to school in darkness during the winter since the measure would delay sunrise by an hour in some places. Uh, Not surprised, the convenience stores, uh, the only places that are open in the darkness in, (laughs) in, in in many parts of the country. You know, like if you're out and about at 11 p.m., uh, you're going to a convenience store, right? And if you can't tell the difference between 5 p.m. and 11 p.m., I guess you're more likely to go to a convenience store. So maybe this is a plot by Big Convenience Store. Big Bodega? <laughs> big Bodega. Anyway, so that's where we stand on the uh, on the clock setting news since it's that time of year. Uh, I... I don't care. Like, I don't mind setting the clocks back. You know, it kind of mixes things up a bit. It's a little fun sometimes. You're like, oh, clocks are changing. Things are going to be weird for a day. Not even, but it'll, I'll pretend like it's weird for a day. Like, the I'm one, not used to it immediately when I wake up. The one time I was super stoked about the clock thing is that it was my uh, freshman year um, in college. Um, and we were all at a bar. And I was I was not really having a lot of fun. I was I was waiting for you know I wanted all my friends to leave so we could go back to the dorm and and smoke weed, and um, it hit two a.m. and the bar closed down. Like they turned on the light. They're like, "All right, everyone, get out!" And I was just like, "Oh, sick! Yes, yes, <laughs> we're springing forward." We're springing forward, baby. Let's let's go get those snacks and go home. Roll them up. Hell yeah. It ruled. I'm sure it did. I would have it was the exact same way. The uh National Labor Relations Board issuing a pretty harsh complaint against Chipotle here. Justifiably harsh complaint against Chipotle. Remember when Chipotle closed down the uh store up in Augusta, Maine over the summer? Yeah, right after fir- workers announced they were going to unionize. Yeah, the first ever Chipotle to uh, to, to to file for a union election. How yeah. could I forget? Corporate shut it down. It then went on to lose two union elections at other Chipotle locations. So uh, it didn't work, that plan. And now it really might have backfired because the NLRB uh, found merit in the uh, filing against Chipotle uh, said that Chipotle closed the store illegally to bust the union. And the order is that Chipotle has to open the store, reopen the store, has to rehire everyone who worked there with back pay, has to uh, recognize the union, even though there was never an election, just them going, taking this step, they now have to automatically recognize the union, which used to be a standard in an LRB quote unquote law, which they're now trying to bring back, uh, has to bargain with the union and then has to notify all of its employees 
via email and a note posted at its 3,000 locations of their labor rights and note that what they did in Augusta was illegal. Owned. Owned big time. Now, obviously, Chipotle is going to challenge this. Uh, so this will be settled somewhere in court. And it might not stand. Um, but for now, owned. <laughs> yeah, that bargaining order is also, that's huge. Um, but yeah, get get ready because uh, it's going where, where things go to die. The uh, U.S. judiciary. Finally, with the next United Nations climate conference around the corner in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt, here's some news about prominent Swedish student climate activist Greta Thunberg. This is from unheard.com. Previously, she'd sold herself as a five-foot human alarm bell, a climate Cassandra. Her role was to warn, not to instruct. Her most viral moments involved her scolding political leaders not trying to supplant them. She strenuously avoided programmatic details, saying such things were, quote, nothing to do with me. But now on stage and in this book, uh, I guess she's written a new book. Uh, sorry, I forgot to include that in the <laughs> in the intro. Uh, Greta has found her political feet, uh, specifically the left-wing ideology of anti-capitalism and degrowth. I know uh, quite a few people on the left who would uh, uh, dispute the description of those two things as ideology. It's certainly not dog dogmatic uh, anything right here. The article continues, interspersed among the usual directives about the need to pressure political leaders, her message was more radical and more militant than it has been in the past. There is no back to normal, she told us. Normal was the system which gave us the climate crisis a system of colonialism, imperialism, oppression, genocide, of racist, oppressive extractionism. Climate justice is part of all justice. You can't have one without the others. We can't trust the elites produced by the system to confront its flaws. And uh, she said she won't be bothering with the climate meeting this year, which she called more than a, little more than a scam, which facilitates greenwashing, lying, and cheating. Only overthrow of the whole capitalist system will suffice. Uh, Greta, welcome to Means TV. Yes. Here's your sh here's your show. <laughs> Go on tour with the Street Fight guys. I can promise you this much: they will get some good chance about what needs to be done with the oil executives, and then one day you can tweet out the secret signal, and we will do what must be done. Wink, wink. Yes, we will, Greta. Yes, we will. <laughs> this is just a natural progression in thinking for her like she played the game as an activist talking to world leaders doing the thing and they haven't done shit yeah i mean that's that's the process you you try to work within the system then you find out that uh it's impossible um and yeah maybe she goes bader meinhof on this shit i uh <laughs> i uh you know i i i She's going to get less coverage. You know that much, though, now. Yes. like It seemed like, remember Malala Yousafzai, the um, Pakistani uh, girl who was, well, she's now a woman, but when she was a girl, she was, what, shot in the head by uh, Taliban guys? And yeah. 
She, then she became a, a, a renowned global activist for women's education. Well, like eight years ago, she's like, by the way, I'm a socialist. Uh, and you basically haven't heard from her <laughs> since. <laughs> Maybe that's a little harder to do now with uh, social media. But yeah, it's uh, bye, Greta. It was nice knowing you. Um, Welcome to left Twitter. <laughs> Welcome to left Twitter. We, we've we been arguing all week about boiling an egg. Um, <laughs> it's kind of we're, we're the last a few more months here before the whole infrastructure is gone but uh welcome aboard she uh what was i gonna say fuck she yeah i mean obviously this is this is an obvious analysis but you know i couldn't help but thinking like she really hit the nail on the head about how ridiculous these conferences are um coming off of that the the UN itself saying like oh by the way the Paris climate accords like what like an eighth of you are in compliance with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's just a report like, out that's like, yeah, it's like they're not even three close out of 196 countries are like may hit their targets and then they're also doing... the financial the financial commitments that they promised last conference in Glasgow like none of them have lived up to it so. Yeah, and uh, then there was another report that came out um, that said that the World Bank and the IMF um, fund uh, dirty energy projects like way more than clean energy projects by a ratio of more than two to one. These conferences don't do shit. Let's be honest. Let's be real. They should all show up and then we should all be able to throw tomatoes at them all weekend long. Yeah. You said uh, you had a minor FOIA update for us before we uh, bring out the garbage can here? Yes, 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 yes. Just a minor update from the Federal Reserve. More more conflict clouds brewing on the horizon. Maybe. I don't know. I take that back. I don't want to prejudge anything here. Anyway, this was in response to our recent request asking for Jerome Powell's emails on the recent uptick in union organizing activity on Halloween. <laughs> I said on Halloween, this is nothing to do with Halloween. It just happened to be when they reached out to me, October 31st. Uh, Fed officials said that they are extending the period required before making a preliminary response to our request Quote, in order to consult with two or more components of the board having a substantial interest in the determination of the request. So, yeah, we can expect that response by November 15th. Hmm. If not, we'll sick our lawyers on them. Yeah, still need to draft the appeal to get the um, Larry Summers emails. As always, message us uh you can send us an email or uh, slide into the DMs uh, at the DC Sentinel on Twitter if you have any FOIA requests. Hey, good news. I haven't heard a banging noise in a little bit. I haven't either. Wow. I didn't even notice it went away. I'd gotten so used to it. <laughs> Hope the audience had as well. Well, we're uh, now that it's quiet, let's bring out the garbage can. Interns, please. 
Oh, god damn. That's good, interns. Right there. Thank you. Garbage candidate number one. I, I guess Elon Musk again. I mean, I guess he's just going to be a garbage candidate every week in perpetuity. But he really had a week this week. Uh, he started proposing that. So his big idea, his big idea to make Twitter more profitable uh, was charging $8 for verification, which no one's going to fucking pay. And the small percentage of people who are willing to pay it wouldn't generate near the amount of revenue that Twitter now needs to cover its debt obligations every year because of Musk saddling the company with debt in order to buy it, nor near the amount to cover the lost revenue from advertising agencies that are fucking fleeing the website right now. Or at least that's what uh, Elon Musk is claiming today in a really whiny-ass tweet. He says, quote, Twitter has had a massive drop in revenue due to activist groups pressuring advertisers, even though nothing has changed with content moderation. And we did everything we could to appease the activists. Extremely messed up. They're trying to destroy free speech in America. (laughs) Uh, No, dude, that's just uh, that's just the market working. That's you sucking at business, dog. (laughs) as i noted uh on twitter earlier like this is the only company that musk is involved with that hasn't received billions of dollars in u.s public assistance and he has no fucking clue what to do with it yeah free speech is when elon musk gets money and if you if elon musk isn't getting money that's censorship I'm a big baby who likes to suck my own dick. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Garbage candidate number two. Speaking of sucking your own dick. Benjamin Netanyahu. Piece of shit. Uh, He's going to be back in power in Israel with an even more ultra-nationalist, extremist coalition along with him. One of the uh, major members of his political political coalition now that's back in power in Israel after the elections this week is a guy named Itamar Ben-Gavir, who uh, is a straight-up racist. He's campaigned on uh, intensifying the ethnic cleansing of the Palestinian, Palestinian people. So also like a paleo conservative guy who's anti LGBTQ plus. Yeah, not good. Not good news there. It hasn't ever really been good news, but somehow it it's going to get worse. Quote unquote Israel, huh? <laughs> huh, that's that's not a that's not a country I recognize. <laughs> Garbage candidate number 3. Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin calling for a bipartisan agreement to make Social Security and Medicare more solvent. Basically a deal to cut the two programs. 
He, uh, he made these remarks, the need to do this, while he was on a conference call with a room full of CEOs. <laughs> this is uh, according to The Hill. Manchin urged the audience to stop making political donations to members of Congress without getting solid commitments to improve the nation's governance in return. Quote, quit writing checks to everybody, he said. He argued that successful CEOs built good companies because they expect return on their investment, yet too often they write checks to lawmakers in Washington without expecting anything of real substance in return. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's called corruption, Joe? <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that is how it works. Manchin basically like, give money to me. I'm the guy who makes things happen for you all. Yeah, give him the money. Give, give him all the money. He makes it happen. Joe Manchin, he will make sure that your uh, constituents uh, die from some sort of lung disease before they're eligible for Garbage. Social Security. Garbage candidate number four. He's a problem solver. Garbage candidate number four, Jesse Waters. He's one of the biggest jackasses at Fox News, and he whipped up a harassment campaign this week against a Starbucks union organizer. Waters has previously bragged how he doesn't tip baristas he said this on television in front of millions of people he's got a pretty recognizable face so uh i hope a uh, food service worker recognizes him next time he's out and orders a coffee or some food yeah this this guy is um maybe uh, he has probably the punch most punchable face on tv Second behind Tucker on on Fox. Arguably more punchable than Tucker. Ryan Grimm punched him once. When he was still cool. Yeah, that was yeah, that was before Ryan turned lame. Uh <laughs> speaking of turning lame, garbage can number five, Edward Snowden, who uh you know, I'll always defend for divulging state secrets, but not for his bad politics. Every now and then he likes to remind people he has the political leanings of a seventeen year old. He tweeted out this week, quote, I've never understood the political fear of libertarians. Sure, they're not in power, but someday they might take over and uh, leave you alone, I guess, since that's kind of their whole deal. It's like being afraid of cats. Hey, Ed, what do you think the age of consent should be? <laughs> hey, Ed, what are your thoughts on um, Pinkertons? <laughs> yeah. what, are your, what are your thoughts on Blackwater? Yes, uh, the libertarian government will leave us alone so that ruthless capitalists will tear us to shreds for profit. Finally, garbage candidate number six, the Powerball lottery. I know this is strange coming from a gambler. Yeah, what are you, what are you doing here? Come on. You'll see where I'm going. It's up to $1.6 billion. That's the largest in history. If someone does win it, they instantly become a billionaire which is stupid as hell. That shouldn't happen. I can fix the lottery. Here's what you do. You pick more winners and split the money. You don't pick numbers. You buy tickets for a raffle. You can buy as many tickets as you want. Goes into a raffle. And then they draw out tickets and they draw out like a thousand people and they give them each a million dollars. That's much better. Or... Pick 10,000 people and give them each $100,000. Like these are all life-changing amounts. You give someone a billion dollars, you're instantly ruining their life. I mean, I could handle it, but I, I'm sure others, 
I, I, you know, the research shows that a lot of people can't handle it. But if more people thought they could win, like if you're drawing a thousand people that are going to become millionaires, more people would buy tickets that would raise more revenue for whatever the lottery is, you know, wherever it is and being used to raise revenue for. To me, that's a much better idea. I think the biggest mistake people probably make when winning the lottery is um, instead of hiring a personal chef, they go out to eat every night or get delivery food all the time. And that starts to fuck with you after a while. Like you need a home cooked meal or it's it's going to start it's going to start fucking with you along with, you know, a billion dollars. Who do you think? Who do you think should go in the garbage can this week? I kind of think Jesse Waters, man. I'm down with that. I'm down with that. Let's, let's do it. Since Ryan Grimm won't do it anymore, we're going to have to step in and do it. Jesse, Jesse Waters, you are going in the garbage, in the garbage can. Garbage can. Uh, in the garbage, bitch. That's the show. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Watch us on Tuesday for live yes. election night coverage. Yes. Don't miss out. Two Sams back doing live election night, not being paid by the Russians this time. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Hey, we did it. We last did one in 2018 and there was no, the Russians. No funny business. Us, no Russian funny business. No funny business. We'll be back next week. Also with a brand new podcast. We're here in DC. So you don't have to be. <laughs>